Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? Welcome to Roots to Grooves. Hey, everybody. This is Jay. I'm Jay. This, this is Jesse. Quigley. With the Q. With the Q. That makes it uh, Roots to Grooves here yeah. in the new Signal Radio studio. Also uh, live on TikTok for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Hopefully we've got a couple followers. Check us out. We're going to start doing live every day so everyone can join us. Yeah. Or every time we record at least. And so if you do follow us on TikTok at Signal Radio, you'll get a sneak peek into the future because uh, we don't officially release this episode until ooh, a couple of months. This will be out in a couple like of months. So yeah. behind the scenes, sneak go. peek yeah. at our uh, discussion and production of the show. Yeah. Which is exciting. So... I'm pumped for this one. I'm pumped for this, Jay. We're yeah. talking about uh, Raphael Sadiq. Yes. And we're getting in. Who is this guy? What is he about? Yeah. Super talented guy. Yeah. He's even more of a legend than I thought he was upon doing more <laughs> research. Because of all, his, all of his production uh, credits. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, he's all over the place. Erica Badu, Mary J. Blige, mm -hmm. John Legend. Yeah, he's working with a Tupac lot. back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that one, actually. Yeah. Uh, so many more. Uh, Josh Stone. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's like, I don't think so. Uh, soul singer out of the UK. She was kind of big when I was in the UK. Nice. Um, not so much over here, I don't think. But um, uh, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, know. yeah. So, this is a Grammy winner. Yeah. He's, he's won at least one Grammy. Uh, Raphael Sadiq has, I think he was even nominated for like, like up to 18 or something. Yeah, something crazy. Like, like, I think his first album was nominated for five Grammys or something like that. Yeah. Like, so, amazing. Ones, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, a guy with a lot of history. 30 years in the music industry yeah starting out in 89 but we'll we'll touch on his early life as well because it goes back even further than that mm -hmm. his musical history yeah totally um but yeah so i mean it's kind of um he's neo soul right r&b yeah it's like r&b and um kind of everything that surrounds r&b yeah. like kind of jazz influenced r&b or you know i don't know new jazz or even some kind of chill wave kind of stuff yeah. and especially his last album that came out jimmy lee which is probably my fave mm. that one he's progressed a little bit more yeah i feel like yeah. so we can talk yeah. about that in a little bit but yeah. uh yeah so he makes some really good music he plays most of the instruments on most of his records he's multi-instrumentalist yeah. yeah as as well as a producer he plays i think piano bass guitar drums yeah and i think he said he he plays a saxophone or maybe trombone or something like that too okay cool so he's, he's a talented <laughs> bloke yeah yeah definitely um yeah so great guy how what do we know about this guy well how, i know bass is his first instrument and i think he's been playing bass guitar since he was six years old is what he says or, or right. five maybe um like, yeah then yeah oh no go, go on oh no just like i know like his first shows were playing in blues clubs um at the age of seven that that young <laughs> he was already playing shows he is playing shows okay yeah. i didn't realize that and um they had to like keep him um kind of in the closet when he wasn't playing because uh, he was underage and stuff like that yeah, yeah, said yeah. In one interview i mean that's a practically a toddler yeah <laughs> that is insane yeah got his chops that way and um i think uh i think even when he was like seven or something like that he joined a gospel group mm -hmm. um where he was from um in uh oakland right oakland california is where he's from right yeah, I think that, yeah. yeah, so that's where he was born in Oakland. Yeah. And I guess he, I saw he was a San Francisco musician. Mm. I don't know if he was out of there for a little while. Yeah. I maybe. saw a couple little points. No, he, but he's been in LA, but the, you know, California coast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's kind of his, his spot. And I think he's kind of stayed there for most of his career yeah. and stuff. And I think he's still down there. Pretty much. Um, so yeah, when he was like seven, like you said, I think that 
that group he called was called the Gospel Hummingbirds. There you go. Yeah. And as, a, as a singer, all right, um, in that group, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, was it a cappella? I think so, yeah. Or maybe yeah. like with a church organ or something? They might have had like a backing band, maybe, or something. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. About Let that. us know if you know. Yeah. Raphael, hit us up. Yeah. Um, and so that was 1984. Yeah. And um, I... I th- well, I don't know if I'm, maybe I'm mixing up my my stats and stuff. He's I, I, this my note says at the age of twelve he joined the Gospel Hummingbirds. Oh, I think it was earlier than that actually. Well, maybe that one. Yeah, he had like some other sort of gospel things he was doing. Yeah, I'll back off my, my numbers and dates because maybe I'm getting those mixed up or something. <laughs> Let's not be specific here. Yeah, Let's yeah. Just talking general Very... gener- generalities. Mm-hmm. Generalizations. Generalizations. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then. I guess, like, so he continued doing that when he was younger. Um, he's one of 14 kids. Yeah, he's the, the second youngest? Y- yeah. Or the youngest? I think he might be the youngest or one of the youngest, yeah. Um, and well, so I think it's second youngest of second 14. Youngest, yeah. Now that I'm looking at my notes. Large family, but he also has some tragedy growing up. Um, I think he had, like, five siblings that passed away. Yeah. For different reasons. Um, one of a, I think, HIV-related heroin mm-hmm. kind of overdose-type stuff. I think it was HIV, I think, okay. died off. And then another brother, I think, had uh, committed suicide, who was also an addict. He had another brother that was actually murdered by one of his sister's boyfriends when he oh, was Jesus. seven, when Raphael was seven years old. And uh, one of his sisters uh, died in a car crash in a police chase or some kind of thing like that mm-hmm. so pretty heavy stuff yeah like, i mean really early in in his life um and uh and we'll i guess we'll get onto it at a certain point but he never really sort of talked about it or mentioned it in his music until his most recent album so right we can talk about that a bit later but yeah but that is one yeah. of the coolest things that i found out about this guy because he's he kind of made it a point to not talk about it and in some of the interviews I was I was listening to, he was he was saying how he he wants to kind of do that on purpose to prove to people that like bad things can be happening in your personal life, but you don't have to show it and you don't have to show and tell. Yeah, and you and have make to wear it on your sleeve. I think right. that's what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you don't have to. So um, that's a kind of a big thing because you don't have to bring so many personal things into your music and let everybody in like that. You can still just make good, fun, groovy music, even though you have a lot of adversity you're going through in your personal life. Yeah. Uh, you know, not to say it's one way or another, like it's awesome when people tell their stories as well. Yeah. But I can't imagine that kind of heavy stuff happening in your life. Yeah. And, and then wanting to just, you know, talk about it to everybody and put, (laughs) put yourself on blast like that. Not really. And I'm, you know, you probably have to do a lot of processing of all of that yourself, just growing up anyway and everything through all of that personal journey before you can even start to really Mm -hmm. share that experience with anyone outside yourself. So, right. But um, but yeah, I mean he, I mean he embraced music like um, I think it was his therapy, like we've mentioned on other episodes. Um, I saw one interview when he was a bit older, talking about how the Steinway piano is like his therapy. Right. He loves like playing on the big old grand piano and it's a uh, big gorgeous you know, sound. Yeah, and just like you know, yeah, therapy through that, and also creating music on yeah. an instrument like that kind of thing. So. And um, yeah, so like from seven years old, all of his like childhood years doing gospel, playing bass guitar. Um, so he was, he was getting some chops. You know, he was, he was chops. putting the work in from a young age. 
and uh, and that led him to a moment, I think, uh, where he heard. Um, uh, oh, this is the San Francisco connection. He heard about tryouts in San Francisco for Sheila e, Sheila E's backing band mm-hmm. um, to go on Prince's parade tour. So he auditioned for that. He landed it. He became the bass player um, just before his 18th birthday. And so when he was 18, 19, he went on tour with Prince. Um, so just a playing, kid. Playing for Sheila E, yeah. I mean, amazing. So, so they were opening up for Prince on the tour, right? Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. And, it must uh, have been an insane experience. Insane experience, yeah. He he said, um, you know, he said that Prince uh, kind of treated him really nicely. Mm-hmm. Like backstage he was like introduced him to a lot of models he said <laughs> very cool very fun he, he's like and stuff like that um he also said he could be an arsehole um but he said he thinks that you know for someone like prince he has to be both otherwise he couldn't be who he was kind of thing yeah you gotta have yeah it's that yin and yang kind of energy yeah and i mean for somebody like prince he he himself plays a multitude of instruments yeah. Yeah, yeah and then he has he's going on tour and stuff so he has his whole production crew and yeah bandmates and stuff so he's got a lot going on so you you got to be kind of stern yeah. sometimes yeah gonna be on your game and yeah you're kind of running the show yeah i mean he's kind of like the band leader and exactly. the leader of the whole thing he was doing so yeah, yeah. sometimes you got to put your foot down and and you know, tell people what to do when to do it yeah or you know whatever but, yeah. but respectfully, but yeah, Prince is awesome dude, and he but he has both those sides, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but yeah, I mean, massive, great experience for him, um, learning even more. Um, I think even before he went on tour, he said he used to hang around like back in the day with like Ice Cube. And yeah, um, I did hear a story about him with Ice Cube. Yeah, and like he before I think Ice Cube was even got big himself, kind of thing, and or maybe around the time he was starting out, and he used to get um, sort of advice from Ice Cube on production techniques for making his nice. beats and stuff like that um yeah so, so I mean, he was already playing with some big dogs when he was still a teenager straight out of the gate like doing it yeah. so, and and one of the other things was surprising is this guy has found the fountain of youth because like, oh, he looks young. he's <laughs> been playing stuff since the 80s and he, he looks great oh yeah i mean he's like 50 yeah i think he must be yeah 50 60 now something like that let me pull up the i think he's 54 i think that's what i saw somewhere let me pull it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. 54. There you go. Born May 14th, 1966. Yeah. So, but I mean, he's awesome. He just looks fantastic and he's great. Yeah. Also, another fun fact, he's never married. Okay. Which, you know, is neither here nor there. Just a, just a fact about his life, which is pretty interesting. Because I think he's still, I think he's still looking for love. I think it's still on the table. Any kids? I don't think he has any kids either. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that, I didn't look into it too much, but I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he comes just, from such a big family. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, so he's I probably got a bunch of nephews enough. and nieces anyway, like, or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, and so, yeah, went on this tour, Prince tour, and uh, got off of that, and he became a, one of the members of Tony, 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 or is it Tony, Tony, Tone? Tony, Tony, Tone? Tony, Tony, I think it's Tony, Tony, Tone, Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, oh okay. It has a different, it's like the last one has the, with an E with an accent on with it. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tone. Yeah, Tone. I think w- from what I was hearing other people on interviews and stuff, it was Tony, Tony, Tony. Yeah. And just kind of a different spelling for each one to make it kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where that name came from. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know his, uh, one of his brothers, uh, wasn't it? Dwayne Wiggins. Was yeah, Dwayne that. Wiggins. And his cousin, I think, Timothy Christian mm-hmm. was in that group. So it was a three piece. Um, 
you know, they were pretty big in the late 90s, early, uh, sort of late 80s, early 90s, R&B group, pop, kind of mainstream, did a lot of big things back then. But they actually all played their own instruments as well. Like he still played a lot of bass guitar on those recordings mm -hmm. and uh, I think wrote as well. Um, so, so, I mean, they were a success. They were a hit. Yeah, they were a hit. I never heard of them, obviously, before my time a little bit. But right. I also don't hear of them in kind of like the same way as I know of salt and pepper or something like you know, salt and pepper what are you talking about you don't know salt and pepper uh, i don't know not really unless it's on the table Ooh. at the restaurant uh yeah 90s uh uh duo okay um, hip-hop hip r&b they were oh. massive salt and pepper i'll have to look into it man yeah they are i don't know if you've seen the new coming to america movie the reboot no did With you who? see the original with uh, eddie murphy coming to america oh no so i they, don't think they, so either but i know what you're talking about yeah they've done a uh, 20 years or something more later 30 years later they've done a sequel and salt and pepper in that so okay if you go on amazon and watch that movie and that movie's out yeah okay it's out you'll see salt and pepper as they are now but i think they don't really do anything anymore they yeah. might like play in like vegas sometimes or something i don't know or like boys to Sounds men cool. do you know boys to men oh yeah i've heard of boys yeah, to men. yeah. <laughs> these are the groups i think of when i when i've been looking into tony 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 so yeah these are kind of the surrounding yeah. Bell, uh, you know, Bell, styles Bell, was it bellevue dubois no I, I can't even pronounce that name hmm, i don't okay. know never mind but yeah so <laughs> he did that for like seven years then yeah and that was great um, so i think i think he was i think he started the band tony 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 yeah he was kind of the main guy yeah um i guess i mean his i mean they, they paired up but one was yeah. his the other guy was his brother like you said and then the other one was his cousin yeah which is cool. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I guess now's the time to say it because I was going to say it earlier on, but uh, he changed his name. That wasn't, Rafael Sadiq is not his original name. Oh, that's true. And yeah. I, I should have cleared that up at the very beginning, but his, his real name is Charles Ray, Ray Wiggins. Yeah. Charles Ray Wiggins. So I think, I think the reason that I saw that he wanted to change that was for differentiating himself from his brother. Mm -hmm. So you no, know, he wanted to be his own entity. Yeah. And once uh, they decided to disband Tony, 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 he wanted yeah, kind of an individual identity. Yeah. And I can only imagine it's compounded by having so many siblings. Yeah. Just all you know with the same name, and you just you want to feel a little bit yeah. like your own person. Yeah. And so he definitely did that, and he he built up his own person certainly, and he's, yeah. he's still going. Yeah, and I think uh, Raphael was his dad's name. He said. That's where he got that name from, I think. Okay. And Sadiq, uh, there's been stuff around the net, like uh, kind of thinking that he might have converted to Muslim because of that last name. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, he doesn't necessarily want to dispel that notion, but he also said that's not actually not the case. Okay. He just picked it because it sounded good, is what he said. So I looked... I don't, I don't. I'm not sure how much he knew about this or whether he knew that, but the, the meaning of the name. Yeah, yeah. Sadiq is uh, Egyptian word. Yeah, an Egyptian word for man of his word. Yeah, which is a, definitely a cool meaning that most guys would want to live up to. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would hope at least. Um, so that that's super cool. But that's there's a little tidbit about why his name is Raphael Sadiq. Yeah, and then his brothers in in Tony 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 Dwayne Wiggins. Yeah, and um, what was his cousin's name? uh was it taylor no Ooh, christian timothy christian sorry okay yeah, yeah sorry we don't want to leave yeah. them out <laughs> but yeah so it's tony 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 and they were cool yeah um i'll have to go listen to some more of their music i was i was kind of concentrating on the sadiq stuff but 
yeah i'm sure that'd be kind of a cool little time capsule to yeah go back and explore a bit of their first album it's very uh, that one the first one's very 80s sounding okay um there's actually a lot of electronic kind of sounding 808 beats in there though which is interesting nice but it definitely sounds 80s um live bass lines on it and stuff like that which is cool i love um, it but yeah and i think uh so i think before they split really split up he released his first solo single or maybe not his first but they said his biggest hit was in 1995 solo single called ask of you um just featured on a soundtrack for a movie called higher learning which okay. i haven't seen nice but, um put on the list for our movie night they we got this long running movie yeah. list now but it's not getting music smaller. and film go hand in hand and you can you know well, yes, it's awesome that. to see all these different stories about who's working on what and how it's all interconnected yeah, yeah. in these cool ways that you wouldn't think about unless you do a little bit of research. Exactly. That's what we're here to provide. Yeah. Because um, we're just here to learn with everybody. All, like, I didn't know half the stuff about this guy. Yeah. So it's really fun. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, he, he did the thing with Gospel Hummingbirds. He did the thing with Tony, Tony, Tony. And he started reaching out into his own territory a little bit with a single. Yeah. Doing a solo thing. And then how, how long after that was it he, he went fully solo? Is that about, about this time he kind of um, left the group? Um, yeah, I think about then, yeah. He was starting to like, do these like solo singles. Um, it must he, have been like mid-90s area? Yeah, mid to late 90s. Um, uh, so Tony, Tony, Tony split up in 97, um, okay. officially. Um, did, so they, he, did they keep going without him or did he... I was, think was it, they just stopped, but I've... I think I've heard some rumors that they might be thinking about doing something again, like in 2021 or something. Nice. Uh, we'll see. That's exciting. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then kind of around that time, I think he started just falling back into sort of production and producing, writing for other artists as mm -hmm. well. Um, I think like in 99, uh, one of his biggest things he did was uh, a they call it an R&B supergroup, Lucy Pearl, which I haven't heard of. Um, uh, but Nor uh, have I. And he also recorded the self-titled album for Dawn Robinson, who was in, in Vogue. And Ali Shaheed Mohammed, whose name has come up again from Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, he's working with a lot of people. <clears throat> yeah, he does a lot of collaborating. Adrian Young mm -hmm. and many other people, yeah. Um, excuse me. So he's a, he's a talented bloke as well. And so, I mean, yeah, we mentioned a couple of names of people he's, he's worked with. Um, Solange, Whitney Houston, people that he's yeah. written with and produced for. That yeah. is John Legend, yeah. Andra Day, Snoop Dogg, Rick Ross, yeah. and even the Bee Gees. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't, I didn't know that one either until I saw that, and that was kind of surprising. When, it totally fits. Do you know when? No, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't able to. Yeah. I should have looked it up, what, what that project was or when it came out. Mm. Um, so it'll remain a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, for the remainder of this podcast but there you go kind of cool but because the beaches are super kind of underrated even i would say in in 2021 like uh, they got they're pretty groovy they're pretty funky yeah. and, and they have some good songwriting so i yeah. can i can see how those elements mesh with rafael sadiq's work yeah classic disco you know funky stuff. i bet it would be some funky groovy music i mean they were superstars in their day yeah bgs right like, uh, was just documentary out about them i think i mentioned it before hbo definitely worth a watch yeah i think it's on hbo max yeah yeah i gotta watch that too definitely worth a watch to see what was happening back then yeah that, i bet that's some guys. good stuff i gotta look that up later yeah 
Um, yeah. So then, so where are we going from here? He's 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 making his mark. Yeah. Um, when did when did his first LP drop? I believe it was 2002, called Instant Vintage. Nice. Um, he got signed to Universal Records off of uh, the back of his earlier solo stuff and stuff with Tony Tony Tony. Um, he said this album it's 19 tracks. It was recorded in seven months um, with along with producers Jake and the Fat Man. That's Fat Man with a P H A T. Great name and a few other collaborators. Um, they also did some interesting stuff on this album where they actually um, pressed uh, strings and also some of his vocals onto like vinyl acetate so they could scratch them back in to the hmm. the songs kind of thing. Nice. Um, now I think that's really easy to do. You've got like Serato where you can do that. You just put an MP3 on. They have these like turntable okay. um, fake records that you can do that stuff with. But 2002, I don't think that stuff existed. So they literally had to <laughs> press some stuff to some but, acetate vinyl. and Yeah, getting physical with it. Kind of thing, yeah. So that's where you got the name um, for the acetate show? For me, yeah. Well, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm not really doing acetate at the moment, but okay. I might bring it back at some point. Uh, yeah, it was inspired by that. And also there was this uh, music TV show on BBC Two in the late 90s that I don't think anyone knows about because I can't find anything about it on the internet. Mm-hmm. And it was called Acetate. And it was a really good show about underground music. Like this, the type of music I'm into, like the show was about like trip hop and jazz and funk and there's a few like clips I think you can. No, actually, you can't even find anything about. So, no, no. <laughs> so, so I took the name because it's a good name, and they and they. It's a cool word. Haven't been doing it for twenty years. So, um, nice. Anyway, but yeah, um, yeah. Instant Vintage is a good album. He, I think he came up with that name because he, he sort of felt that the music um, industry at that point was kind of all about sort of throwaway songs and throwaway productions kind of thing, like just producing the quick hits kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like a little bit of a sarcastic album title because he was like, it's done now. Now it's instantly vintage, like yeah. onto the next thing kind of stuff. Yeah, a little, um, a little tongue-in-cheek, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, coming out with that energy, the first album. So, yeah. I mean, he's a confident dude. Yeah. He, he, he's a smart dude. He's confident. And he's, he's just paving his own way kind of guy. Well, at this point, 2002, you know, he's... Uh, been doing things for over 10 years mm-hmm. gone on tour of prince also produced for a bunch of other artists big hits kind of thing so i think like even just on his debut album you know he's, he'd already done a lot before that strong. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah he's he's done more than a lot of people in their whole careers have yeah. done in the first first yeah. 10 years or something so just yeah. just a testament to how involved this guy is and how much it, his his love of music shows yeah and i think this was interesting for like um because you could say like a band like Tony, Tony, Tony is kind of like a pop group or like a manufactured pop mm-hmm. group sort of thing. Even though it's probably not really the case because they did actually write and record um, and perform mm-hmm. like instruments on those records. But the way it was like marketed was like, you know, kind of pop music. Right. So usually you don't really see, like you don't see, you know, members from like... uh some big boy bands go on to like like one direction be multi yeah in, instrumentalist well some of them i don't know i don't really know anything about one direction but i'm thinking more about like uh backstreet boys or something like, okay yeah can't imagine one of them doing uh would they be considered like first a, like second generation 
boy band? Are the Beatles like the first generation of boy band? Or does uh, that go back even further? Goes back, yeah. The Monkees were actually at a manufactured uh, group. Right. They, were they before the Beatles? Um, around the same time, but they. But I think the Beatles like they met organically with each other. Right. And, but the Monkees like they literally had a manager that like auditioned like corporately of produced yeah, and put these guys together and. And uh, I think I even maybe, I think someone else we talked about before, maybe one of the Beach Boys, like, was almost in the Monkees or someone else. Yeah. There's I some remember, artists. I remember talking about it, but I don't remember the yeah, facts. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I'll have to go peep through the other episodes and. Exactly, yeah. Find yeah, it out again. Anyway, yeah, just to say that um, you don't really, like, his, Raphael Sadiq's career is is gone very interesting now. He's very ex- experimental mm-hmm. and just really diving deep into the the instrumentation and recording techniques and totally collaborations and all that sort of stuff so yeah so his energy's yeah. not faltering you know he's he's staying strong he's staying creative trying new things yeah and i mean he's just a really all-around talented awesome dude with all his lps and there's a multitude of the singles and and um stuff and he's also been on soundtracks mm-hmm. which we didn't say he's written for tv shows and movies um, and yeah. even, I, or maybe I'm thinking of the, the next episode we're going to go about. <laughs> fun fact so, 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 yeah, in my mind. Fact. But yeah, so he's, he's done TV shows, he's done movies, he's, he's making his own albums, he's collaborating with other people, he's writing for other people. Um, but yeah, I was just going to say, all his LPs are very good. Yeah. His, his standalone, like, single Raphael Sadiq records, um, they're all just very good all the way through. It's interesting. Um, I, I didn't say before, he kind of has a, his voice sounds like, Stevie Wonder, mm. at least right off the bat for me. Yeah, like sounds very close to me. Yeah, but maybe maybe I just haven't heard Stevie Wonder in a while. Right. But either way, he has a great voice. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice and it's energetic and he can go he can go pretty high. He can go pretty low. Yeah. Um, with a lot of emotion. Yeah. So I think we should play a song off this first. Um, yeah. Off his first album. Yes, I th- believe I have this one called. Yeah, it's called "Doing What I Can." And it might be the first track. He's doing what he can. We'll tell you after this. Okay. (laughs) Cliffhanger. Dope. Doing what I can. So fun. Instant vintage from 2002. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love all those sound bites of basically introducing what is going on. Yeah. Like literally saying, this is Raphael Sadiq's first album. Yeah. <laughs> Lane checking Tony, Tony, Tony. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Just kind of giving a little bit of a background for, yeah. for himself, like kind of setting the stage for himself. Yeah. Um, in his own music, so it's yeah. that's kind of cool. I guess you know rappers do that all the time still yeah. today. So yeah, yeah. kind of shout out your own name, which is you know that's the way to go. Got to tell people, got to let them know. Um, but I mean, just more of that good stuff. Just yeah. kind of groovy, feel good. Yeah, most of his stuff feels pretty good. And yeah, it's kind of upbeat and fun. Yeah, and really colorful. Yeah, especially that album. Yeah, it's kind of like a good party. Yeah, chill vibes. You know summertime thing mm-hmm. maybe like a little bit um 100 yeah so and then so uh yeah this was 2002 and this came out and i think it was the same year he released or he he started his record label um pookie 
Uh, so it was after this, I think. Oh, well, he, yeah, he kind of, I think he might have set it up um, on the tail end of this album because he was signed to Universal, but apparently this album wasn't very commercially successful for, for them. Okay. For him. And they ended up dropping him from the label. Ouch. Um, even though, like, he had a Grammy uh, nomination for Best R&B Album. Didn't win, but mm-hmm. was nominated for this album. Um, but yeah, apparently it didn't sell very well. Um, I actually said it five Grammy Award nominations for this, including Best Album. Yeah, so he was getting so, some attention on yeah. it, but it wasn't yeah. like critically acclaimed, you know, popular with, with, with the masses. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know how much it sold. It must have sold well, but maybe Universal Records were thinking it was going to be Tony, Tony, Tony level. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't or something. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just, you know, you're kind of starting over a little bit, yeah. which is probably why he wanted to put some sound bites in there, like to give people who don't know who he is a little bit more of yeah. that individual kind of vibe. Yeah. Let them know, like, I'm, I'm coming out. Here I go. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a great album. And I think it's, I think it's getting to the praise it deserves. Oh, yeah. At least in hindsight. Yeah. I think it's, I think all of his stuff has been critically acclaimed mm-hmm. um the commercial thing's another story I think, right probably but no but he has a high standard and all his albums are go that deep and they're all really good yeah yeah all pretty well rounded from what i from what i see yeah um so yeah i mean i guess in, in between these years after this he starts um and i just said pookie but it's pookie entertainment yeah and at some point in around 2002 he started that yeah and, and there's there's uh, a couple of artists um like joy and truth hurts who i i wasn't aware of but they're yeah, I don't know they were know. on that label at least yeah um yeah he said i think about that label he just wanted to you know put people on it that were just honest and true and trying to do their best work and just giving them the facilities to do that kind of thing Mm -hmm. was his um idea behind that and also for his own music so between instant vintage and his next studio album he set up the label and released um i think a live album all the hits at the house of blues um it was a live album yeah i think i didn't listen to much of it but um it showcased some of his solo material as well as uh some tony 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 stuff nice again um but yeah i think it was live at the house of blues he had a little thing there going on cool so yeah i'm, I'm sure it's good i'm sure it's lively yeah it'd yeah. be a fun listen yeah that'd be a party jam Exactly. Put that, if you're having a little there we go. soiree, non-COVID times, of course, if you're vaccinated, <laughs> a, uh, throw on some uh, Tony, Tony, Tony or some Raphael Sadiq. A post-vaccination celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. Well, you're spitting some words over here, Jay. <laughs> I love it. So, um, I mean, yeah, I got, a little, I got a little fun fact I'll just insert in here real quick on, on our transition. Um, I guess his, his dad, you know, back living with his family back in the day, um, and I don't know where the, I can't remember where the context of this was, but I just have a little note. And I guess his, um, his dad gave his mom $300 to, to, to get rid of him, like as, as in have an abortion. Mm. And I guess he wasn't, you know, he was like an accident. Okay. Yeah. And so his dad gave his mom $300 to get an abortion. Wow. And I guess she, she didn't, and she went to Safeway and spent it. <laughs> <laughs> That that's the, that's it. Little fun fact. Well, there you go. Which is you know yeah. kind of you know dark, like, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And you know I don't know how I can't imagine how it's like to grow up, kind of knowing that having your dad say that like you're an accident. Yeah, I tried to get rid of you. Yeah, 
Um, sounds kind of harsh. Does. Um, but they did already have 13 kids. Yeah, right. Or whatever it was. So sounds like they're not. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like they didn't fall out though because he Raphael. Yeah, his was dad's it, name so like right? I don't think they had a bad relationship. Yeah, necessarily. And I think he was loved just like any other kid. Um, but like yeah. I said, just a fun little tidbit. I don't know all of the context yeah, yeah. behind there. So, but just a, another little snapshot of what this guy's been growing up through. Yeah, and you know, to give us all some context about where he's coming from and and where he's gone because of it. So yeah, yeah. So pretty cool. Um, so then I, I mean, yeah, he makes his next record, Ray Ray, in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about it. It's good stuff. The first track is Black Exploitation. Yeah, which uh, we talked about the other day. Yeah, we did on I think maybe an Adrian Young episode. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, because he was he was doing he did um yeah Black Dynamite yeah Black Dynamite which was yeah. a Black Exploitation movie yeah yeah which one more category more vague would be a exploitation film yeah um which are basically exploiting different um, standards and. Um, kind of stereotypes yeah within a, a subset of culture yeah like um or a race of people or a certain group of people yeah and kind of you know using that to to promote it and to make the storyline and stuff like that yeah um you know i don't know if i'm explaining that correctly i don't know too much about those ex- exploitation films i'm still trying to learn well um yeah he did he was sort of heavily inspired by black exploitation films and soundtracks to create this album for, in everything from the production the songwriting to the album cover mm-hmm. um but i think he did say he said he was watching some rudy ray Moore films um he was like this og guy that created his own character character and made his own films and stuff like that okay i think eddie murphy recently made a movie about rudy ray Moore and his struggles to be a filmmaker and get his things made Okay, um, Eddie Mur- is that the second time Eddie Murphy's come I up know, in this? Yeah, twice for different reasons. There's a third connection to Eddie Murphy, by the way, it, for Raphael Sadiq because he, Raphael Sadiq did a song with Q-Tip um, for an animated TV show called The PJs. Okay, which was Eddie Murphy's thing, and Eddie Murphy was the uh, voiceover for the lead character. I don't know if gotcha. any, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but I used to watch this, and it was really good. It was like claymation animation. Okay, like Gumby or something. Uh, I don't really know Gumby. I think it was like, Claymation. Okay, yeah. And but it was like these characters in a in like in New York or something something in in like a, an apartment building. They all kind of lived in the same community. Okay. So it was really funny kind of show and uh Yeah, it sounds Yeah, so apparently Raphael Sadiq did a sh- song for that show. With, cool. With Q-Tip. Um but yeah. And um, but anyway, yeah, back to this really mate Rain Moore and Superfly was a movie um and he said he got him to all thinking about that part of uh you know their history he said black history kind of thing right and you know he said it seems to be that more kind of caucasians use black images more than they do like tarantino uses them in his movies especially the 70s stuff um and so with ray ray he thought he could kind of embrace that those that history and images Mm -hmm. um uh, for himself on this album kind of thing um and that was kind of the 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 sort of impetus behind it he said he also wanted it to be more aggressive more radio friendly one of those good saturday playing records right uh, yeah. yeah kind of a weekend good vibes <laughs> yeah 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 i think it's so. it's got a funk oriented vibe to most of it yeah 
a little maybe a little bit more than the the previous one which was pretty more maybe groovy and this one's more funky yeah this one sort of starts to veer away i mean every album he's done has been different i would say yeah it's a little bit different and uh each one kind of had their own concept behind it i think um first one was like very sort of traditional and great like r&b neo soul mm -hmm. a lot of great collaborations but we forgot to mention d'angelo features on his first album mm. as well um instant vintage nice yeah but yeah on ray ray he's really doing this whole kind of homage to like exploitation soundtracks and movies and yeah so stuff. i think he was kind of imagining it was going to be like a audio um i don't know if he like vignette mm -hmm. is what i heard um like introducing Raphael sadiq's kind of alter ego Mm. So a little bit of kind of a story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess he kind of does that with some of his other albums, too. Like even like Jimmy Lee kind of went into a narrative type mm -hmm. deal. And so I kind of, he's had these ideas before off this second LP, mm -hmm. um, which is cool. So he's, and he's, his, his alter ego is kind of like the main character of this like black exploitation soundtrack for a film that wasn't made. Yeah. yeah. But just kind of, he's imagining um, a similar thing that Adrian Young does. Yeah kind of imagining a movie and what would I write for this movie? Yeah. And then there it is. No, no movie though. <laughs> you just listen, <laughs> listen to it. Like a, yeah, yeah. And use your imagination, which is cool. There's lots of uh, people who have done that. I think I've also mentioned a Wycliffe Jean album as well mm -hmm. like from the Fugees. I think one of his first albums after the Fugees had that kind of thing. There was, there was a whole court case going on throughout the whole album and it'd be like inter interludes between tracks. And With like, sound bites of a court case yeah. going on or something yeah it's kind of funny it's a good listen that's um, cool yeah like to listen to the album and hear that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. no I, I like when there's little transitions and stuff yeah. in albums and it kind of feels it feels like a narrative even if you're not paying super attention to the, the context or the words and what is going on or what the yeah. artist is trying to tell you but it still helps you follow the music yeah and you you know imagine the vibes that the music gives you yeah you know just speaking the language of music without actually having to understand the english words that are being spoken or read yeah, yeah um so cool stuff i think it's another good album like i said all his stuff is good i have nothing really bad to say about it yeah it's groovy and it's funky and then he i joy was on one of these tracks mm. who was on uh, pookie entertainment yeah um so some more you know support for the the ecosystem that he was building yeah and um i mean yeah that's all i got on that yeah should we move to the next album i think so yeah because uh I don't know. We could play a track from every album, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all good. We could play this guy it's all day. Good. Um, it's going to be the five hour long podcast where we just play. It's just a radio show now. Yeah. It's just Raphael, Raphael Sadiq radio. Cut out all the talk. And yeah. Just, uh, spin the tracks. The talk's the boring part about roots to grooves. I just like when they play the music, <laughs> I fast forward all the talking. Is that a comment that you saw? No, no. I just, <laughs> you were about to, it's a comment it that I hope nobody it. ever says. Yeah. Don't do it. We need, well, we need haters and also viewers yeah. on TikTok. I don't know. Yeah, the more, zero. yeah. We gotta, you got to be a little bit polarizing to yeah. be great. Exactly. The greats are polarizing. The, the greats have haters. Yeah. So the more haters we got, hit us up. Hit us up. Signalradio at gmail.com. No, that's wrong. Oh, what is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I just made uh, it up. Yeah, you just made up. A, now someone's going to register that shit. Yeah, that. no, it's copyrighted. Uh, um, Roots at signalradio.com. That sounds even better. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I'm just trying to throw everybody off. Yeah. Try to get a little confusing up in it's here. Probably why we're not getting any emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all going to that one. <laughs> <The> Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, awesome. I think uh, 
Ray Ray was a, a reference to his mother's nickname for him mm. as a childhood nickname. Yeah. Is what I saw. Yeah, yeah. And then like the cover work was kind of based on the black exploitation. Yeah, he's wearing like this kind of was it blue suits? Yeah, and he's like leaning that. against a car. Leaning against a car, yeah. It's it's kind of I don't know, I get like a rapper rapper kind of vibe. Yeah. Like cool guy wearing a hat, like he's like a towns guy. Or I don't know. I don't know the words that I'm thinking of. I just think of things in my head and I I can't I don't know how to say them. Right. Um, yeah. but he's like all dressed up and he's got this like white Cadillac or whatever it is. Yeah. White wall tires. And they kind of made it to look like a movie poster a little bit with the, like the credits mm-hmm. underneath the title. Right. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah it, it totally looks like a movie poster Yeah, with all the little credits under it and then it has a nice little, um, frame around it. Yeah. So ornate frame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so cool stuff. Ray Ray, 2004. Good stuff. Yeah. And then uh, 2008, The Way I See It. Um, how, do you, how do you see it? How do you see this record? This is, I think, the really interesting one, right, where they explored that Motown sound, mm-hmm. if I'm right about this. Yeah, so he definitely has a, a thing for kind of those Motown or early you know, 60s and 70s yeah. funk and groove vibes, yeah. which makes sense that he's worked with the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. And I'm, I'm excited to go see what he did with the Bee Gees now. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, but so he, yeah, he fashioned this album after the, the 60s Motown sound and Philadelphia Soul. That's what they call it. And um, he actually signed to a major label again for this one, Columbia. Mm-hmm. And apparently Rick Rubin was a label executive there. Okay. And, uh, he, the legend. The legend. And he visited um, Raphael in his home studio listen to the stuff he was doing and basically his advice to him was uh he told him to never box himself in and just to be himself and follow his own path Mm -hmm. um and so he really took that to heart and he said he's always gone down the road less traveled but now he does it even more aggressively (laughs) yeah just double down on that Yeah, yeah and keep going yeah yeah i think this album took four months which is shorter than the other one yeah maybe both those other ones yeah, and he has a, his own home studio in, um, well, I, I think it's at his home, but it's like his own private studio mm-hmm. in Hollywood, I think. Um, I forget the name of it. Well, well, I might mention it a little later kind of thing. But this has kind of been his home base where he, he does all of this stuff now. So he's able to spend that time. Um, Were all these three records yeah. made there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, like cool. All of them, I think, up until now. Yeah. And so same, same, the rest of the story, he's kind of, he's doing most of the instrumentation on, on this album as well. Yeah. Um, but I think he was working with some other instruments or um, musicians. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's putting in a lot of the work, um, and then collaborating with some people on some of the stuff as well. Yeah. This was a really interesting album because, uh, so he has his, uh, audio engineer, Charles Brungart, who's collaborated with him, um, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for this album, they really dove into their research about how to record, um, do the same techniques and even get the same equipment as like the Motown guys used to use. Um, they referenced an actual book, um, which is not Motown, but it's called recording the Beatles, um, which I'm really interested in that book now. Um, apparently it took a decade for those people to write that book and they talked to everyone that was involved in recording every Beatles album. Nice. And, I bet uh, that's just chock full of 
cool tidbits of information yeah, yeah. Or, or gear that was used equipment techniques right for capturing certain sounds that's like a like motown production bible exactly yeah so they like they use that and then they said they also just looked at old archive photos of like the motown studio and how they had this instrument set up and how they had mm -hmm. microphones placed and stuff like that. i mean like they're studying it yeah, like, yeah what are they doing how are they doing it yeah let's try to recreate it yeah so they uh so it's really interesting i think they recorded onto pro tools so they did they captured it all digitally but that, they used all of these like tube compressors and old microphones and uh -huh. everything in between the signal that was going into the computer to make it sound old nice um they even used i think this not a very good microphone like the shore i think it's called sm 57 it's not the one with the round top mm -hmm. but it's like kind of a, that's a pretty classic microphone yeah, right it looks like a cigar thing a lot of people use it for miking snare drums yeah just like a cylinder yeah silver cylinder and apparently he recorded all of his vocals on that really that crappy mic and they put it through some things because they wanted it to make it sound old and kind of thin well see that's i love like, it because yeah. i'm not i we've said it before i'm not a gear guy and yeah. like just whatever mic is closest exactly, use it yeah. i mean these are like top-notch grammy winning artists yeah who are like we live in a music industry now where people try to make their music sound shitty. Like it was from the seventies <laughs> yeah. using these older microphones yeah. and stuff. So I'm just, I, that amazes me and I love it. Yeah. Like these top, top artists that are making the biggest hits yeah. that have the biggest like clout yeah. in the industry are, they're like, yeah, SM57, that's perfect for my voice. I mean, that's what the engineer Charles was saying. Basically he said that he had to forget everything he'd learned over the years mm -hmm. about producing or engineering like pop records yeah. where everything needs to be sound clean and it needs to get out of the way to let the vocals fill it kind of thing. Everything's crisp and shiny. Mm -hmm. He said for this album, he ba they basically threw all of that stuff out of the window and just tried to make it sound as vintage and old and gritty as possible yeah that's great like, yeah. and both are good if you're going for that clean pristine sound get the best mic you can yeah it's just yeah, it's just what you're trying to go for yeah and everything's okay yeah that's what i'm about yeah everything is okay and i think but you yeah you can uh yeah it's like two ends of the spectrum if you can access all the gear in the world then you're in a position where you can do what they did for this album which is get um specifically the vintage gear to create that specific sound kind mm -hmm. of thing but if you don't have any money and you can't don't have those resources, then you know, then you shouldn't. You should basically use what you have and get the best out of what you have and embrace the imperfections, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's because it will become part of the sound, whether you like it or not. Like Ariel Pink, mm -hmm. you know, on the four track kind of thing. He's just like, yeah, that's that was that. That's getting released. I'm not re-recording that in a studio. <laughs> yeah, that's the beautiful so, thing. There's yeah. not things are decided after something gets put out and like, Oh, that sounds like that. Cause this is the story that I was the context. Here's the gear that I had in that time, that year. And that's what I was able to make that year. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, Oh, well, I don't have the perfect mic. No, I, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record. Cause I've said this before in the show before, like if you don't have that one mic, well, I'm just going to wait till next year because right. I'll get a better job with more money then I can get the mic. Yeah. And then I can make my masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, none of that's gonna make you better. Just just do it. Get just do it, Yeah, and revise as you go. Yeah. And and make it better as you go. New projects as you go. Yeah. And, yeah. Just just do it. Absolutely. Nike. <laughs> just do it. Damn. Good. Yeah. These uh these uh We're not sponsored sponsor, by Nike. Yeah, we're not. No. <laughs> Nike? <laughs> but what's up? What's up? What's Come up? say what's up. Hit us up at the not the Gmail. Yeah. 
Um, another little fun fact: he played sitar on this track, yeah. on this album. Nice. So, along with you know yeah. bass, and I think he played drums and guitar as well. Bass is his his go-to kind of default yeah. favorite, I guess. Yeah. But pretty cool to. I don't know where he got a sitar, or where I don't know what I would look up if I was trying to get a sitar, but that's cool. Or even how to play it. Seems like a complex. Instrument. Yeah, yeah, somewhat specific. Yeah, but just again, uh, uh, he he knows how to. He's he's down to be creative and try new things and and play different instruments and yeah, doesn't let anything get in his way. Yeah, I think there's more to say on this album, but how about let's play a little bit of tracks so we mm-hmm. can get uh, that kind of sound idea yeah, let's of see what we're doing with this. I love it. Uh, it's called Big Easy. Okay. Very fun. Yeah. Very cool. So it's it's a little bit, this album's a little bit less hip-hop oriented yeah. or influenced. And it's definitely, you can hear that more Motown kind of old school rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, type, definitely, yeah. Type vibes. Yeah, it's definitely more, you know, I guess hip-hop is more a little bit, obviously, sampled from funk and disco kind of thing. Mm-hmm. a little bit more groovy, whereas uh, the Motown stuff is a little bit more, str- I would say, straight down the line, like soul kind of thing. Yeah, totally. So that's kind of how this album sounds, like, I would say, sort of straight down the line soul mm-hmm. kind of sound. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, I think this, this record helped um, garner a wider audience for him. Mm-hmm. especially like white audiences who weren't familiar with his, his work with Tony, Tony, Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of expanding his reach um, and, and getting his music out there. And I think it just, it got him a little bit bigger, bigger of an audience. Um, yeah. So just another testament to how he's growing, yeah. trying to something a little bit different, reaching out and he's, he's doing awesome at this time period. Yeah. It's also interesting. So he said uh, for the vocals on this, he, he tried to record them all in complete takes and sometimes he wouldn't even redo them um, because he said it was about the soul. So even like if a part was flat, if, but if it had the soul, he'd leave it in because mm-hmm. he wanted to capture that performance kind of thing. Um, and that's what they must yeah. have. They were they had to do it that way in the past because they didn't. Yeah, they weren't trying to cut up things. Well, they definitely, yeah, those old Motown guys and all that. They were just on their game. <laughs> And they had maybe two takes if they're lucky kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but yeah. usually it was all, they just rehearsed, they wrote, rehearsed it, and then cut it, like recorded it kind of thing. Like, um, Did he ever work with uh, the Wrecking Crew? They're like, there's like some awesome studio musician group, right? He worked with, not, was it the Wrecking Crew? Or like the Funky Brothers or something? There's something, Brothers, that were like a core group of musicians in the Motown era. I think he, collab- Raphael, collaborated with it at some point. Yeah, something like that. I, I think it might have been <laughs> on this album. Like a percussionist and bass player uh-huh. and a horn player, I think he managed to get on. Right. I think it was either this one or one of his other albums kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. We yeah. just did the research. Oh, the Funk Brothers here. here the Funk, here. that's what they're called? Um, yeah, Ashford Riser. Um, uh, 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 string arranger Paul Reiser, percussionist Jack Ashford. Yeah, those were the musicians. They called them the Funk Brothers. Nice. Um, they were like the core session musicians for Motown during the sixties. Gotcha. Yeah. Sweet. Good fact. Yeah. So yeah, I think he toured pretty extensively in Europe and America for this for two years. Yeah. So pretty big, you know, pretty big release. A little bit of a different release, going with the Motown rock vibe. Yeah. 
and then you know just reaching new audiences yeah. continuing to grow and it's it's generally seen as a really good album yeah just kind of in general it's got good scores a lot a lot of critics said it was one of the best of that year yeah um and i i guess during that time like 2008 or whatever it was there was kind of like a motown revival or something that mm. i saw someplace and i don't know any any anything else about that but yeah just a little little fact factoid yeah. there yeah um so good stuff yeah i don't know should we move on to the next album yeah what's he doing what's this guy doing next stone rolling 2011 um a couple of years well yeah he was touring so not putting out anything since he, i mean he was just touring he didn't even write any i mean he, he was probably working on some stuff yeah um still on columbia at this point okay i don't know that much about this album to be honest um uh, I think for this one, they actually wanted to make it sound, capture the kind of um, uh, sound that you get from a live performance. Mm-hmm. So they kind of um, uh, like wanted to capture that enthusiasm that you can hear um, in live performances. Um, and uh, Stone Roland is a great name for that. Yeah. And I guess... Um, it- he spent a whole year on this time on this album, writing and recording it. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going pretty deep. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah. What, what, how did the music change for this one from going from the Motown? Did he go back to, um, it's no, yeah. So it's, it's feared away again from, it's not really the same vibe mm-hmm. as, uh, as the Motown sounding one. Would you say he went back to his, kind of returned to form a little bit more hip-hop no, influenced no i think he's moved to even further on to, to what to, uh, like, like it's still like soul right it's still r&b but it's like a bit grittier i mean at this point i think this is when he's started to put these different influences from his career at this point it's yeah gone on two decades at this point around 2010 yeah and he's you know he was making stuff in the 80s and stuff yeah and this is where he's starting to blend the, the genres and create something new yeah, and I think that's the general wave of energy of where he was going to, and which he's finally got to with Jimmy Lee, which is my favorite work of his that I know. Yeah, yeah. and that's what turned me on to Raphael Sadiq. Yeah, because um, that album, we'll talk about it in a second, but it's genre blending. Yeah, definitely, and it's definitely not Motown, and it's definitely just not you know, it's not Tony 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 pop. No, or old school hip hop even. Yeah um but yeah we'll talk about that in a second but well in a way though like yeah i think probably stone rolling is a good bridge between um uh the way i see it Mm -hmm. and his most recent one jimmy lee uh because i i think if you listen to all those three in order you can get you can understand the shift in um, approach yeah to songwriting and production quality and everything like that um yeah like i say stone running it's even a bit poppy to me but not poppy in an r&b way more in a like a um kind of glass animals way in a little bit or something like that Mm -hmm. like um yeah it's sort of i mean (laughs) let's play a track because let's play a track i think i think this album's a little bit more eclectic too than like the the previous album yeah it is yeah so it's got a little bit of different changes a little bit more dynamic yeah um a little bit more blending and you know yeah. you, you like you said if you listen to those three in a row you can kind of hear the, the yeah. growth and see the pattern there yeah so i mean yeah i didn't listen to too much of off this one because it was kind of deep 
in yeah. the middle of his discography. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, my favorite is Jimmy Lee. Yeah. So I didn't have time to listen to all this too much. I, I listened to every single one, but yeah. this one didn't stand out to me as much or whatever. But mm-hmm. let's play track off it. Let's let's jam now. Yeah, let's just uh, spin a little bit of this. Go to hell, it's called. Hey. <laughs> So I have no idea why I brought up a glass animals reference. <laughs> oh, I don't know. They got brought up. That, uh, but I was wondering that. Yeah, but that's uh, <laughs> it's that track in particular for me is like I would call it like rock soul. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, it's kind of pretty straightforward in the the groove, the beat. Kind yeah. of yeah, one, two, three, four. It's almost kind of like some of those like seventies jam rock bands that you would hear. Uh, heard yeah just kind of like the whole song is at the climax yeah just like yeah feel like good they, jamming like they could have been playing this at, um woodstock or something like that yeah or, um because those drums remind me a lot of like how some of uh early jimmy hendrix stuff was where they just mm-hmm. like, go doing all these toms yeah i could i mean that, imagine yeah. jimmy hendrix playing a solo over like that jam yeah, at the yeah, end there exactly, like, yeah. i mean that could go yeah hand in hand yeah, great yeah. yeah um another fun fact about this record that i love came out on my birthday march right. 25th how old were you when this came out then? In uh, that was 2011. Yeah. So I was, um, what? I was 19. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know. And he was 19 when he went on tour. Yeah. <laughs> With Prince. This guy's done a lot more than me. <laughs> I'll say that much. What were you doing in that? Uh, I'm still working my way up. So I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was, I was in college, I think. Yeah. For for the one year I was, went to Central Washington University. Shout out Central Just, Washington. Yep, University. paying 150 bucks a month for uh, student loans. Still, still. Oh my god, <laughs> Jesus, love it. Yeah, racking up that interest. What did you study there? Uh, I, I, it was my first year, so I was just doing general ed. Okay, and I didn't know, and then that's why I decided. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm out of here. Yeah, good choice. So, so you could have been paying more. Yeah, it'd be like forty, fifty thousand dollars <laughs> to go. So, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it was a good choice. You know, but yeah. hey, you guys all do you. Yeah. Everything's wacky these days, so exactly. you don't have to go to college, though, to do cool things you th- don't. these days. You don't. You know, that's not what our podcast is about, but... I'm a high school dropout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look at, look at Jay. Yeah. Founder and owner of Signal Radio. Yeah. Um, yeah. Follow uh, your passions. That's, what, that's yeah, just, my advice. Yeah, follow your pl- passions. Don't have a plan B. <laughs> and just go. <laughs> don't have a plan no make uh, it up yeah. as you go yeah you're like when it's time for plan b come up with plan b i have plan b d and c though so just okay. in case always in my back pocket that's good you know, never know when shit well everyone's had, everyone has a couple ideas yeah, yeah like in the back of their mind like okay hey, well if this doesn't work out you know i don't know how how deep is your plan though like i'm not asking you specifically yeah. but just in yeah. general like yeah, yeah. Do, how, how how do people think about their plan b yeah oh. anyway i digress um, I don't really care to talk about that too much because I'm I'm into Sadiq, <laughs> Raphael, Raphael. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, he recorded that. Um, how long did it take? Uh, uh, a, a, it was like a year, yeah. and that was yeah. at his his recording studio is the Blakesley. There you go. Yeah, that's what it's called, right? That's the Blakesley the Recording Studio or whatever. Yeah, in Hollywood, North Hollywood, I think. Right. 
Um, yeah, so he it took a year for him to write this album. Um, he said the first track they did was called Heart Attack. Um, and he they wrote and recorded that when he was on a break during his tour. And so they originally recorded it in the same style as um, the previous album, like uh-huh. in the whole Motown style thing. And they said it just didn't work. And so they weren't really feeling it. And then when they came back to it, they kind of stripped things back to its to its bare bones for the song and kind of rebuilt it from there. And, and then once they did that, they it inspired them to realize what the sound of this album should be kind mm-hmm. of thing. And yeah. Cool. And maybe that maybe it was part of his touring thing as well. Um, having played live for two years, um, bringing that kind of vibe to the album, the studio album, right? Was maybe I haven't heard him say that anywhere, but I mean, I feel like it could be That's, a thing. Seems like it fits for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, it's pretty eclectic. So there's there's it, there is some kind of soul stuff. There is a little bit more psychedelic yeah. vibes coming in here. Some psychedelic kind of seventies stuff. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, even even that track that we just played, it almost a gospel kind of feel. Yeah. There's strings in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big, so, big backing vocal choir type stuff. Gospel yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah. So the album goes pretty deep. Yeah. It's yeah. good. It's pretty Well-rounded. Good. Again, it was it was received really well. Definitely worth um, listening. He's still, he's extending his trajectory and he's getting better. Yeah. You know, he's, just, I mean, he's killing it. This guy's a legend. Yeah. He's, he's basically like a living legend. Yeah. And I was, I'm kind of surprised that more people don't know him. He's not a very household name, but oh, yeah. from what I was seeing, he, he doesn't get into the spotlight. He doesn't care. I'll like, be honest though. It's weird for me. Cause I've, I've known his name for years and I've heard uh-huh. tracks here and there, but I've never really dove into his discography. Like I have for this show. It's cause he doesn't have any scandals to, <laughs> to make it interesting. It's like, Oh, like he just makes good records. That's boring. <laughs> Yeah, who's he dating? Who's he getting? Exactly. A, who's who's getting a divorce? Yeah, <laughs> but um, like, uh, well, you know, for music, me musically, I don't look, <laughs> I don't look for the scandals anyway. No, obviously, yeah, for sure. But uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, I've always known his name. It's always been floating around there. I've mm-hmm. always associated his name with the likes of uh, Adrian Young because I think they might have collaborated. I'm not sure. There's, they have so many similar so things many, going on. They yeah, must exactly, have. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Yeah, and uh, in that realm, and definitely the Q-Tip guys, because, um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, Tribe Called Quest guys, but yeah, Q-Tip as well, like, you know. Um, so, yeah, like, but yeah, I was, uh, I was actually amazed. I was, I think my uh, assumption of his records was actually quite wrong than the reality after i've like gone through and listened to it you thought there was a little bit of a different vibe i thought that like his first album i thought that was like his vibe like d'angelo r mm. neo soul vibe but it's not really like there is definitely heavy elements of that in all of his albums but he's actually a lot more experimental and um embracing kind of the heavier side of things and he's gone more into mm-hmm. like the live side of things yeah live instrumentation than he has on his previous records like that's become come a lot more to the forefront i think yeah in, it seems like he's things. starting yeah. he's 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 began to care more about this in this time period um yeah. kind of really incorporating that you know real people playing real instruments yeah. and let's get that live energy yeah that true soul energy yeah the performance, uh, the soul, capturing it. And, yeah, the realism of being people playing instruments. Yeah. And if that's captured on 
you know, your microphones, then that's really good energy. And that's what he's trying to bring to the table. And I, he, I think he succeeded mm-hmm. um, time and time again. So another, another great record. Yeah. By Rafael Sadiq, who we're talking about here on Rooster Grooves. Yes. How, how, are you, how do you feel, Jay? I think this one's going pretty good. This is good, yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he's really, uh, you know, I, don't, I hate to make this kind of like an album review show or anything like that, but, um, but I do think he's been doing some really interesting things musically, that, which is, yeah, like you said, there aren't really any scandals or anything like that. It's more about his approach to music and the different sonic worlds he's been creating through these albums. Yeah, totally. So I feel like that's good that that's why we're talking about this sort of stuff. Yeah, um, you know. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, we touched on his 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 life. He's gone yeah. through a lot of adversity. He hasn't married. Yeah, he's not scandalous. Yeah, he's incredibly talented and prolific. But he's had these. He's had like multiple. I mean, he's been in the music industry thirty years, and yeah. he's had these multiple careers of being like in a mainstream, like chart topping group, right? To producing, uh, you know, other top big, artists big, in the world, top artists in the world to diving into this experimental world on his own um albums and yeah really just embracing the the rick rubin sentiment of uh doing his own thing Mm -hmm. and not caring about you know whether people don't like his lyrics or what he's talking about i heard some comments like on some of his earlier albums that it sounded a little bit too self-congratulatey like he was talking about himself too much and you know, Compared to what though? Because that's what every yeah. single rapper does on the radio. Like they yeah, literally, exactly, yeah. you know, yeah. Jason Derulo. Well, like maybe they literally he's a singer. Maybe people aren't like, yeah, like that's that's what's yeah. weird. Like if yeah. you're a rapper, you're allowed to be like, like self-promoting on your own track, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you have a rap verse on a Katy Perry song. You're like, you know, say your rapper name before right, you start. Exactly. Yeah. But like if you're a, a you know, aren't like a, like a rock or alternative. Mm-hmm pop kind of music you don't do that you know or like you know like imagine like radiohead and then they like on their track and they're playing like (laughs) it's it's not it's not acceptable it's tom york yo yeah Yeah, tom york that's the job of us on uh this song i'm okay yeah i'm a creep (laughs) (laughs) i'll see tom york (laughs) tom york yo but see isn't that weird though it's like a double standard like you can't do that it's not acceptable in a rock setting really but as a hip hop artist or a rapper, it's like expected in a normal part of the culture or whatever. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess that's part of the culture, right? Like, I mean, that's that's what it comes yeah. down to. It's just a cultural thing that's yeah okay with everybody. Everyone's okay with it. Yeah, and nobody wants that on rock music. Yeah, you know, Chili Peppers. You know, nobody does that really. Yeah, in general. Yeah, in general, most people don't. Yeah, it, it comes up a couple times. Yeah, because it could be it's a you know a technique a marketing technique to get your name out there. Yeah, um, like Raphael Sadiq did in that first record. Well, if you think about it, maybe that's what it is about, like uh, name dropping yourself. So if your track's playing on the radio, someone's randomly listening to a radio station. They're driving yeah. in a car. They hear that name. I I, I get that because if, like, if you're yeah. on you're rapping a verse on a Lady Gaga song. And people are like, oh, it's a Lady Gaga song. Cool. Yeah, you and know then, the radio is going to play it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Get your name in there. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I have no problem with it. Yeah. But yeah. I would be uncomfortable if I tried to do that in my songs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it seems very foreign. Yeah. Um, but, you know, neither here nor there, water under the bridge. Exactly, yeah. I don't know if I ever used that statement correctly, but I like to say it. Water under the bridge, yeah. 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 <laughs> sure. Sailing on um yeah so 2019 then um uh was his next album so it's quite a 
the gap, uh, a larger gap than between his previous albums, I think, maybe. Yeah, and so, I mean, he was keeping busy, at least what I'm, I could just do a quick scroll on Spotify. He, yeah. in 2017, released um, a motion picture score for, I think, a movie. Yeah. I think it's a movie, or maybe it's a show, but I think it's a movie called Step, mm-hmm. which I don't really know anything about it. Maybe it's about some kids dancing or something like that. <laughs> step Up. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's Step Off. Step Up. Step Down. Yeah, Step Up 2. Step Up 2? No, it's Step Up, you're right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I think there's a sequel, Step Up 2. <laughs> Oh yeah, got number two movie list. Uh, I don't know if you want to put that on the movie yeah, list. I think that's kind of a crazy. We'll skip movie, that one. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so then boom, we go to 2019, and we got our record Jimmy Lee. Yeah, he's looking. Rafael Sadiq has got a side profile picture on the album cover. Yeah, with some kind of um, abstract patterns going on in the background, kind of psychedelic. Yeah, and we got kind of a silhouette of him. And he's got like a cool, I don't know what you call it, kind of like a pimp hat kind of thing. Is it a Stetson? I don't know. No, I don't know hats. It's like a straw hat type thing. It's yeah. a like straw hat. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of culture or vibe that is, but it looks good on him. Yeah. But just to give a little, it, the, the whole album cover is like black and white. And then so the album title is Jimmy Lee, who he's talking about his brother. And that's who he named the album after. Yeah. Um, and that's his brother who was, he had an addiction to heroin. Yeah. And he was in and out of jail. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, you know, had a, a rough time and I'm not sure what happened to him, but he passed away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You don't have that story. Do you? I think because of his needles and heroin, he okay. contracted HIV and I think that's what he died. That was the one you mentioned. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, sad story. And so this album is pretty significant in Raphael Sadiq's discography because it's kind of the first time he's opened up about a lot of his personal stuff mm-hmm. and stuff going on in his life. And he's kind of you know, as um, almost like a therapeutic kind of thing, releasing this stuff, talking about these, you know, this adversity that has gone through that's really tough. I can't imagine going through a lot of that stuff Yeah, from his earlier childhood um, and then kind of living the rest of your life with that without talking about it in your music. Yeah. Um, but this one he did, and he's, it's kind of like a narrative, um, and he kind of builds this world where you're, he's taking you through this story about what happened and how he feels and a couple different perspectives. And then, so it's really good um, in that sense for a little context. And then the music is very good. It's on another level from the other stuff he's done, I think. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, it's kind of more synthy stuff. There's hip hop stuff, psychedelic stuff. And he's, he's melding all the stuff that he's done in these other albums using real instrumentation. And I think there's even some sampling stuff in here somewhere, mm-hmm. um, at least, at least moderately yeah. or minimalistically. Um, but yeah, by far, it's, this is my favorite. Yeah. And, and that's saying a lot because I really like his first record too. Yeah, this is, I think he said it's his most honest album because of all of that. That's um, a good way to say yeah, it. Yeah, naming it after his brother. But also, I think lyrically on here, he's also exploring all of that stuff, like his childhood years, uh, you know, those deaths, mm-hmm. um, uh, more than just Jimmy Lee, but his other siblings as well. Um, if you actually, I don't have the physical copy, but I saw some pictures of it. And if you get the physical copy, there's like more artwork than just the cover. There's like a collage that has faces of all of his siblings in it. Mm, kind of thing. That would be really cool to see. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he's really, yeah, really digging deep 
and and talking about all of this stuff. Um, it's a very honest, very personal record. Yeah, themes of stress, addiction, family dysfunction, financial burden, mortality, mass incarceration. I mean, just real stuff that he was dealing with. Yeah. And he's not just talking about it from a outside. I'm a I'm a record producing success story. Yeah, and other people have to deal with stuff like this. Like this was his own personal life that he's dealt with. Yeah, and it's but it's actually funny how he got to here because he said initially when he was writing lyrics and that. He was coming from more of a personal place where he was actually thinking about his diet and like how he mm. eats and how he treats him, his own lifestyle kind of thing and, you know, an exercise and that and how he like tries to be good himself, but he can't always keep up on it. And then the more he was sort of playing around with the idea, he was like, that isn't really working. I'm not really feeling that kind of thing. And But the more he thought about it, then it triggered him thinking about his brother's addiction because um, I think he had two brothers that had addiction problems kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And thinking about that, you know, that same similar thing where it's like, you you know, you're trying to get off something, but you can't. It's like a pattern of lifestyle. Yeah, cycle living. kind of thing. Cycle, yeah. So that's really, it's kind of, that's what led him to get onto that. And then once he found that, he said it just sort of flowed, I think, and allowed him yeah, to like, kind of write, uh, pulled out of him kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of felt that and he kind of followed that energy. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah, it feels like, you know, whatever, something was drawing him towards getting these feelings out and it was finally time, yeah. um, you know, as therapy for himself yeah. uh, to tell his story to the the people who have been listening to him for two decades at this point. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, really cool all the way around. The whole record's cool. It's really good. Yeah. Really re well-rounded, good music. His voice is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he's, he's like over 50 at this point. Yeah. He's 54 now, I think in 2021, this was 2019. So a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, he just sounds wonderful. Yeah. And it's uh, also, like, I would say it's kind of, it's, uh, I want to say it's darker sonically sounding. I don't mean that it, in a bad way. No, but, but it, there's a dark tint over the whole thing. Yes. Yeah, maybe like uh, more atmospheric. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more like minor chords and yeah, right, yeah. atmosphere in the songs. It's a little bit more brooding or whatever. Yeah. It's a little dark. Yeah. Darker than, you know, some of this Motown stuff, like a couple yeah, tracks we played. It's, it's, not, it's not just happy, uh, yeah, good yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a good time. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, um, and the music reflects what he's, what, what he's talking about in the, in the narrative of the album. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love this one. If and I always tell people on this show where to start, where I would start if I was getting into Raphael Sadiq without knowing anything, mm. I would start here. Really? I would start there. <laughs> I think it's the best one. I wouldn't. I, where would you start? Uh, I would start. Where should the listeners start? For me, I would say the listeners should start mm, <laughs> with. I, 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 won't, uh, I won't say until you go. I won't say. I. I was not Ray Ray. Um, well, shit. Maybe you're right. <laughs> I, I mean, I like Sto Stone Rolling or, or the very first album, Instant Vintage. Uh, that was my second choice. I think you need a frame. The thing is, is why I say this is like why I don't think listeners should, in my, well, why I wouldn't start with this album, Jimmy Lee, is because I think you need a frame of reference before you get to it kind of thing. I feel like you need to explore at least one of his other albums first before you get to this one kind of thing. Sure. To That's understand, fair. you know, where he's coming from, not just lyrically, but like sonically as well. Because if you heard this, I think you might not 
understand some of like the funkier R&B stuff or mm-hmm. the, all the Motown stuff that came before it kind of thing. Like, yeah, I think that's yeah. a great way to look at it. Yeah. And that's I just think, me personally, but yeah. No, totally. I think a lot of people could yeah. benefit from context when listening to music. Yeah. A lot, some people, and I don't want to like point fingers or anything, but some people just like, what's the, oh, this guy came out with a new single play. Okay. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Great. But you don't know where the guy came from or what, mm-hmm. like his personal life, you mm-hmm. know, like people are put a lot of love into their music and it's, they're talking about their real life, yeah. about the real human experience and having the context of their other previous music or their previous lyrics or a general history of their life can, can give that album a lot of, a lot more energy and you can communicate a lot more once you know that context Yeah, and you can kind of, you know, interact with the album a little bit more if you know the context. Yeah. And so that could be very powerful. So I love that you said that, and that's a great way to look at music. I mean, I don't think it's always the case for every artist, but I, I feel that way for Raphael Sadiq. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, but, yeah, totally. Yeah. For most artists, yeah. you know, if you're getting into Radiohead or whatever, like it's cool to kind of see the growth yeah. and see why they're changing or how they're changing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You no, know, for any artist. So that, I think that's great. Yeah. But I would start with Jimmy Lee. <laughs> well do you have a favorite track off of jimmy lee no no all of them okay well i non-stop uh listen to it all the way back everyone shut up be quiet turn off the lights <laughs> <laughs> well should we play out uh, are we ready to play out that's oh. that's about all i got on this guy on, yeah. on spotify he has a 2020 release and i guess he was working on a show called la's finest mm. um and i think he's he scored it yeah television show on yeah, I don't know what channel it's on, but I think that's it. Yeah, he's also like has a production company or a, a produ- executive producers some TV shows or something mm-hmm. as well. It's like a side hustle, just a casual <laughs> side hustle producing Psychic. movies and shows. Yeah, yeah, and scoring shows. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think that single that you mentioned, I think he wrote it and recorded it during COVID times, quarantine times. So I haven't heard it, but um, we could potentially spin that, but or. Let's play a little bit of Jimmy Lee first. I think we got to show people Jimmy Lee. We got to show people Jimmy Lee. Oh, I really like the opening track, Sinner's Prayer. Okay. Takes a while to build up, but then there's like this nice beat that kicks in. So, oh, let's do it, man. Let's I'm do down. this, yeah. ending because it goes straight into the next track after that yeah no and that's one of the cool things about that album is there are kind of some some quick cuts yeah and i and i think it's it's obviously intentional and it kind of again it kind of goes with the narrative of you know these stories kind of like you don't you don't always get a nice transition from from one area of your life to another you know sometimes it's just like and i think that's what he's kind of trying to express yeah. at least that's what i take from it yeah and it's really cool but i mean what a great track i'm glad you played picked that one the first one as an introduction for the rest of jimmy lee and yeah you can, can kind of hear how serious it is how yeah. it's kind of setting it up like that that's a groovy and funky track where that beat comes in and to me it was almost sounds um well i think glass animals wasn't right i think that's kind of what i was thinking about when i was mentioning that mm-hmm. more about this album kind of thing Still not quite though on nail as a reference, um, but it is 
like a little bit more i don't know how to explain it it's kind of like there is like rock vibes in there a little bit yeah sure it's um it's very big sounding production Mm -hmm. kind of thing serious emotive like you can hear his lyrics the way he's singing Mm -hmm. the melody in that yeah track it's definitely filled with emotion emotion yeah emotive kind of thing so i guess what it reminded me of of i i like the bass in that when that after that beat comes in it's kind of climax at the end of the song remind me of uh random access memories by daft punk oh yeah yeah and i really like how it's it's kind of like they're jamming right it's kind of the big climax of the song yeah but the bass is it's being played like it's being plucked and, and it's just kind of funky deadened. bass as well yeah. on that track but yeah yeah so it's, it's uh, not a funky tune i don't think the bass is the funkiest thing maybe. It, yeah <laughs> it's 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 got that little funk to provide that groove yeah but it's it's staying out of the way and yeah. they're not like they're not using a pick um to make just like a big bass sound like oh it's the big part of the song yeah. like it's being played very subdued like yeah. he's deadening it with his fingers then kind of plucking the strings yeah. And some reverb on there. Yeah. So, I mean, really cool kind of dynamic thing Yeah. to do for the climax of your song. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's great, though. Sounds really cool. Love those kind of funky Nile Rodgers guitars in there, too. Yeah, definitely. Just yeah. very, um, you know, almost subliminal. Yeah. Like, they just kind of tucked in there. So, cool track. And then I hope everyone's pumped to listen to the rest of that after hearing that first set track off it's, Jimmy Lee. Yeah, it's a great album. It's... It just gets better from there. Different than the rest of his stuff. Each, mm-hmm. each of his albums are different. He's definitely... Totally. In, like, doing some... I, I like it when artists do things differently from album to album. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, it's it's an evolution. I think, you know, our lives are in an evolution. Playing an instrument is an evolution because you get mm-hmm. better and better the more you play and the more you perform, or even songwriting as well, the more you write songs, the better you get at it. The more you do anything, you get better at it. And yeah. I think it's good to see that reflected in, you know, an artist's discography kind of thing. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So uh, he's doing it. And uh, I guess if we have nothing else to say, we can surprise both of ourselves, because I don't know if you've heard it yet, his latest single that he released no during covid times no yeah you um, just mentioned that but uh what is it called i think it's called human race but it's spelled h-u-m-x-n mm-hmm. so i don't know it was october he, 29th yeah 2020 so i don't know if he wants to pronounce it human or another way but <laughs> yeah and i i have not listened to this and i mean i don't Me know where, where this um where i messed up on my research but that didn't come up and i i just didn't even listen to it or no anything so and I'm about to, so I don't know, because there's a lot that went on last year, not just COVID, but the whole, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and and everything that went on with that mm-hmm. in cities across the US and across the world. And uh, so the cover of this is like, you know, kind of stick figure outlines of people kind of thing. So I'm, yeah, are I they partying? Know. Are they rioting? Yeah. Could be either. Should we all Both? be coming together? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's colorful. It says stand up, which is, yeah, you know, stand up for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Stand up for your right yeah. to party. Yeah. <laughs> Fight for your right to party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, that's all I got on this guy. Raphael Sadiq, amazing producer, multi-instrumentalist musician, very prolific, making good, consistent music, been through a lot of adversity in his life. Um, he's the real deal. Yeah. He's got a big name attached to him. It's it's really great. All his stuff is solid. And it was really fun having a discussion about it. 
Yeah. So I hope everyone else is into that too. Absolutely. Um, I think that's all we got, unless you got anything else. No, that's it. That's it. Um, if you guys at home got anything else, if we got anything wrong, you got anything to add or a cool story about Raphael Sadiq, hit us up at the email, Jay. Roots to Grooves at signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com. Or uh, drop a YouTube comment as well. Yeah, yeah. Find the full video on YouTube. Yeah. And we're starting to do live on TikTok. Um, yeah, we'll but you see. won't be able to find that. We may have one viewer or something. Hello. Hello, TikTok. Thank Hello, you TikTok. for being here. So um, if you're on TikTok, hit us up at Signal Radio. And uh, that's all I got on Raphael Sadiq, man. Let's play out on Human Race. Brand new track. All right, thanks, guys. It's been Rooster Grooves. I'm Jesse. I'm Jay. See you later. Rooster Grooves out. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.